Hello and welcome to the Noise Podcast Network. I'm Sam Lewis and joining me will be Will Marshall and Jack Holloway. We'll be discussing Matt Heafy's solo project, Ibaraki, and their debut album, Rashomon, and discussing whether Matt Heafy is one of the great faces of modern metal, and whether Trivium and his legacy has been improved by the excellent album that we'll be discussing today. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at the Noise Podcast Network, and listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Noise Podcast Network, another episode as part of the Noise Podcast Network. Um, I'm, I'm Sam Lewis. I'm joined once again by Jack Holloway, but also um, with another guest of ours, from a man who has written for so many articles that his Twitter bio is now starting to look like a dissertation at this stage. Um, metal Hammer, Stereo Board, Noise, Distorted Mag, Hard Beat Mag, um, probably um, every other available magazine, future and present. If you're about to start a blog, even before starting it, I'm pretty sure Will's already got the byline pre-written. He's got a writing credit. He's already interviewed your manager. Um, actually, he's already you. It's just ex- extraordinary at this point. Will Marshall, the man, the myth, the legend, the voice of metal. How are you today, sir? I am very well, thank you. And I am going to be adding one more to that list, potentially. Of course, of course, of course you are. Um, I'm not even. I'm not even remotely surprised. Is it metal related? Or are you just fucking moonlighting as a plumber as well? It's just ridiculous at this point. It is. It, it's. Uh, it might be prog. Absolutely, because what what more suits you than just a lengthy description that just never seems to end than also writing for a prog magazine? It's just. It's just perfect, isn't it? Literally, yeah. Couldn't couldn't make yeah, this up. Just... Even though I'm not a big fan of like most prog. Oh, oh that, that, that's got to be the opening article. Um, why I don't like prog, and this is why I'm writing a prog article. Yeah, to be prog. the anti-prog guy, I like that. You know, get him from the inside. Here's why fairies are stupid, actually, by Will Marshall. <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, I can't wait to read it. Um, Jack, gonna... obviously... Go on, sorry, mate. Sorry. <laughs> Work my way up to editor and just my first editorial. Rush suck. <laughs> oh, that hurts. That actually... That, uh, I feel like a stab in my chest. Like, I mean, this is, you've only been on the podcast for five minutes. I'm reconsidering this whole adventure, to be honest. <laughs> to be um, fair, they don't. <laughs> I was, I was, I was going to say, I literally, literally nicked moving pictures off my dad today. Um, just to, to, just to take home, just for you to tell me that they suck. I, I, man, I feel bad. I feel bad. Um, also joining us, obviously, is um, Jack, who's been here before, um, who owns the website and runs the website that we're producing this podcast for. So we don't necessarily need an introduction for him, and that's going to save me some time. So, Jack, how are you, man? Yeah, I love how my introduction is just that. <laughs> like, even you've been here like, before. Yeah, you're like you're like Prince. Like, it's just yeah. it's just Jack, you know. The man. Wells was like you're announcing like you know the like this huge amount of <laughs> accolades, and I remember our first episode only a few weeks ago. Oh, and here's my mate Jack. <laughs> You've actually been demoted from Mike Jack to he's been here before. He's which... been here. You couldn't even give me the H in here. You just said he's been here before. And Essentially, that's it. you're now on the level of like the postman. <laughs> you know, I, the guy the guy that fixed my fridge. Oh, he's been here before. He knows where the living room is. I'm, I'm just happy Make to be Make his own tea. Yeah, I'm all right. Thank you, sir. <laughs> um, you're actually feeling a bit better. You've been pretty ill recently, aren't you? I've I've been on death's door, but I've come back and I thought, you know what, I need some black metal to make me feel better. Uh, The restorative properties of black metal are well known. (laughs) My first soiree, should I add. 
I say, Euronymous uh, would like a word with restorative properties. <laughs> I would just love that as a prescription. Yeah, you need 15 paracetamol and anthems of the Welkin at dusk uh, four times a day. <laughs> You'd come out more ill, and I, I, I like that album, but that, that's not helping your mental state at all. <laughs> like, I'm just gonna, it is not. No, absolutely not. Um, all right, so... Um, Introductions are sorry, Jack. Yours, yours wasn't long enough. We'll have to work on okay. that next time. We have actually literally ran out of time. Um, so we're here to review um, the Ibaraki, uh, the solo album by Matt Heafy, just to give it a little bit of context before we actually dive in. Um, it's out on the sixth of May. Um, it's Matt Heafy's solo project. He's been working on it for about a decade. It features Gerard Way. He's on it. Nergal from Bermoth is on it. Isan is on it. It's been, I'm reading through the through some of the description we've got some of the album, did some research as well. It's influenced by Sagazan. Now, lads, um, before I tell you what it is, have you, I'm going to ask Will on this because there's a chance he actually has done this. Um, Will, do you know who Sagazan is and how this relates to the album? Have you seen the work of Sagazan or Sagazan? I'm, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly. No. Um, I, it, it's, yeah, it's at the back of my brain, but it, it's, it's not coming, it's not coming, I'm afraid. Isn't it some mad demon thing? Um, kind of. Uh, kind of. Um, so, Sagazan is a French artist who does a one-man show that The Guardian described as legitimately horrifying two years ago. Um, that's a direct quote. Um, because over the course of his one-man artistic show, he turns himself into a sculpture very painfully and very slowly, like, like the cement on faces... There's puffs of smoke, there's blood, there's screaming. It's just him in this theatre show and loads of, like, I'm assuming, horrified French art fans just after the end of it. Um, We've got, like, four and a half, five stars from The Guardian, so apparently it's just, like, life-changing in, like, the worst kind of way. Um, And that's one of the the inspirations for Matt Heafy's work on Rashomon, which is the name of the Hibaraki album. So that that kind of starts off in terms of, like, where we're at, in terms of what type of project this is. This isn't going to be, like diet trivium this is very clearly a far removed out, output from from his typical work if you look at the rest did of he, it, um did he show gerard way that art like a video of that artist when he when he was like about to do his vocals on this record did he just go watch this then record then just immediately recorded his reaction there's a there's a chance that gerard way just <laughs> performed his version of this artwork prior to um prior to getting on this record because i want to talk about that in particular because that oh, that was a what a moment that was! We'll get to we'll get to that in just a little bit of a, a little bit of a minute right here. But so it's very clearly not trivium. Like there's, um, it's got the classic trivium references to feudal imperialistic Japan. We had that in Shogun and various other parts of the trivium canon. Um, but well, I'm gonna well, I'm gonna come to you first. Um, it seems like Heafy. I'm gonna stop calling him Heafy like we're friends. Um, see, clearly sees a. I don't know if you I don't know if you count it as a long-term career beyond Trivium or something that needs to run parallel to Trivium or essentially starting to see himself as an artist beyond just being associated with the band. Is that fair to say in your view? I think the third is the fairest of the lot. Um, so this is essentially, because as, as you rightly said, this is stuff that's been kicking around for... I mean, he's been working on some of these songs for 10, 11, 12 years, you know. Yeah. Uh, the album's actually presented effectively almost in chronological order. Like the the earlier songs have been kicking around the longest, um, and it was very much a drive to explore his own his own creative identity through the lens of his own his, his own ancestry, his own identity as a Japanese American man as well. 
because obviously there's been, you know, there's there's a there's a huge amount of history to Japan. First of all, you mentioned like the the you know feudal Japan. There's the mythology, but there's also the horrors that were done to them by the U.S. government in the 1940s. So yeah. all of that informs not only who he is, but what he's created. Um, so I think it's fair to say that that Rashomon is is the the, the clearest expression of Matt Heafy the musician and Matt Heafy the creative force. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. I think he's 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 quite clear on trying to differentiate from 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 being as just purely associated um with with trivium jack um matt heafy's been in our lives pretty much as long as um we've been into metal like um it feels it feels like we know him like i joked that i'm in mates before but there are a few sort of people in metal that genuinely feel like friends it's like watching a tv show over the course of like 10 20 years and it kind of feels like they're your buddies or listening to like a long-term podcast and things like that um where would you say that our relationship with Heafy is as a listeners in terms of metal fans and things like that. Where do you see Heafy um, as a as a as a music figure, as as Will mentioned here, as a creative force? I think, I think I think he's one of the leading forces, uh, you know, individually, and I think he's been doing it for a very very long time, and that's actually my gateway into liking Trivia more. It's a bit of a backwards way of doing it but he's such a you know he, he's very prolific isn't he on yeah. on whether it be social media whether it be talking about him his culture he's you can't help but feel quite engrossed into whatever he's talking about and that was kind of my way in as a sort of diving in a couple of years ago really enjoying Matt Heafy what he stood for what he talked about the fact that he wasn't you know gonna shy away from kind of making a joke out of himself or or bringing a, a topic to light. I loved that he would talk about young up and coming bands. So I, I just loved him and almost willed myself then to like his music more and more and more. And that kind of got me into Court of the Dragon, for example. Um, so I guess the reason I say all of that is because it, it's almost, he's probably brought more fans like me in through some of his other ventures and it doesn't matter what he does i kind of i find some i, I can find that I, I like it in some way shape or form which i think is a testament to what we're saying about matt heafy here is that he's sort of outgrown any one individual thing and can just kind of creatively flow the way he wants to and there's a fan base big enough to be able to just lap it up that's kind of you know, he does feel like one of the front runners for, I would say, our generation in metal. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Well, I'm going to come to you because you're 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 sort of tapped into the sort of the last couple of years, especially in sort of the growth of metal. How would you how would you assess Heafy's role in, aside from Trivium's role as a as a big band and influence of bringing bands out on tour? He, Matt Heafy has taken such a prolific role in shouting out younger bands, bringing out them onto part of his Twitch stream and appearing on sort of records. Um, for someone that is so aware of the smaller bands that are sort of burgeoning and breaking into the wider mainstream, um, how do you rate Matt Heafy's efforts to sort of widen metal for his audience? Cause it's quite admirable, isn't it? I don't think it can be understated, realist, really, because if you as a creator, because let's say, right, he's a prolific Twitch streamer. This guy streams mm. on Twitch three times a day, five, six days a week sometimes. Even when he's on tour, 
he's streaming, he's got a streaming, like, setup. So that means there's, like, he's got all this time tapped into this massive audience, and he's got his ear to the ground. Yeah. So if he says on this, um, so for one band, actually, that he was gotten into by a, a friend who interviewed him, said, oh, check out this band. What if Matt, well, you know, what if Matt Heafy then goes on his Twitch stream and goes, I was recommended this band, I think you all should check them out. If there's, let's say, there's a hundred people on his stream, and he pulls way more than that. Let's say there's a hundred people on his stream, 50 of them go listen to the band, 10 of them like it, and, like, love it, and really start following that band. Another 10 of them are like, oh, this is really cool, and occasionally sort of check them out when new stuff comes out, or like, oh, I remember that. Yeah. That's 20 new fans, you know. That... Then you know, you know, magnify that by the fact he's got a massive audience, and he streams all the time. Matt Heafy has done so much for new bands. It's so easy for you to get to a level where you're just like, well, we don't need to do this anymore. We can do yeah, evening yeah. with shows. We can just play for three hours, and people will lap that shit up. Yeah, they absolutely will. And don't get me wrong, like if Trivium ever did, and George was shooting on, on Machine Head, by the way, I noticed that. They're not the only ones that have done it. They're not the only ones to have done it. Hailstorm did it recently. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I think if you've got the material in the fan base, I absolutely think it's a thing to it's a good thing to do to reward those fans. Mm. But the importance of shouting out younger bands, taking them on tour, using a platform that you have to share their stuff, even if it's like, oh, I guessed it on this track, here's a snippet, and someone goes, shit, that's so cool, I'm going to go listen to that when it comes out. Yes, Matt Heafy I mean, has been... Uh, fantastic for someone of his stature as you said jack he's been a, like a leading figure in modern metal for someone who's effectively leading and like his band are arguably like trivium themselves are arguably probably on the f- form of their career so and his stature has only gotten bigger which is partly why you know ibaraki is is it's now is such a good time right because obviously he's had all this downtime but he's got this platform that he can not only shout about himself on, but he's not ever just doing that. So I, th- I, yeah, I genuinely don't think it can be understated how much he's done for the metal underground. No, I completely agree. Look at the look at the fact that the Mini Malevolence album is going to come out featuring Matt Heafy, and how much that's going to help grow a hardcore band's audience yeah. just by just by the nature of being associated. And to be really um, cheeky, that track is so good. <laughs> Oh yeah, ab- absolutely. That, that's what I was going to say. If you weren't going to say that, and we're going to be talking about that in the, the coming weeks, I hope um, that we able to do that. That'd be nice, nice for us to be able to do. I want to want to come to you both on this. Which is, I just want to, I just want a yes or a no on this question before we get into the album. All right. So I did a little bit, I did a little bit of research for the album, and I was thinking to myself, okay, um, let's look at solo metal albums where the main main member of the band is from a massive band and they're striking out now. So for example, obviously Matt Heafy here with Ibaraki, obviously he's done some bits here with other members of Trivium, but he's the driving force of this album. He's not created a new band. This is very clearly a side project that he's leading. So I'm thinking to myself, all right, how does this compare to other solo records? Because me, me and Chris uh, of the Noise Podcast history have reviewed some solo records and the hit and miss rate is more erring on the side of miss than hit. So if you go as far back, right, just I did some did some research, but you got Corey Tyler's CFMNT. I think that's the correct name for it. You got Danny Warstop's Blues album. You got Bruce Dickinson's um, 
dreadful in between Iron Maiden and stuff. You've got Ozzy Osbourne releasing two albums that were great when Randy Rhodes was still alive and then a swift dive by Absol afterwards. Max Cavalera is the only exception, obviously, because of the Cavalera conspiracy is great. Soulfly were great. But then you've got Dio, eh, Rob Halford's solo stuff, which is just Judas Priest with a different name on. Uh, Serge Tankian, which is okay. Till Lindemann, which is good, but Diet Ramstein. Um, I'm going to make a case before we even review this album. Do you think this is one of the best metal solo albums we've heard in recent years, Will? Yes. Jack? Yes. There's no comparison. There's a chance that it's not just be- the best. There's a chance this is the fucking Usain Bolt of 21st century metal solo albums. This is stunning. Let's get into the album now because before I sort of froth at the mouth, uh, Will, um, I think this is exceptional. Uh, what do you think? Fucking great in it, this. It's. Um, <laughs> oh, thank God. It's so good. This is not what I was expecting in the best way. Like, when you hear the words Matt Heafy black metal, you're like, well, okay, well, it's going to, you know, you're expecting a certain level of frostiness that you very <laughs> rarely get yeah. on this album. What you get, um, and I'll just say, like, what you get, and this is not a slight on the album at all, and I know that they're great friends. This is Matt Heafy writing a Nishan album, and it fucks. Yeah, I, I, actually, that's that's a that's a perfectly um, perfectly great description. He's gone all out. Jack, what are your thoughts? I mean, it, it is important to preface this with I am not. Oh, a there are some nerves fan. already. There's some nerves I already. Not, I am not. No, 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 no. Say no, the take, gonna, Jack. Hurt my feelings. It's fine. It's going to lead to a compliment, Sam. Pace yourself. <clears> I, the fact that I'm sat here and that I I suggested we do this is the biggest compliment I can give, because. There's enough in it for me as a as a fan of maybe some more melody <laughs> to keep me going and having listened through the whole album. Whereas I, black metal has never quite grabbed me before. I would suggest this is the first album that has. Will I will I be someone that is putting this on time and time and time again? Am I no. Am I the best person to recognize how good it is? Not necessarily. But just a th- just a ringing endorsement for your players on the podcast here, Jack. Say, to uh, be I fair, mean, like knowing it, your taste in music, Jack, like you saying I liked this and it's black metal. Is That's the thing. I mean, high praise. <laughs> exactly. I like this. There, there are some moments in this that that I completely agree, completely fuck, and I fucking love it. But the the groundwork of it is still black metal, so there's not all of it that gets me the same way as you two do that are somewhat fans just want to just want to stay on that will um you listen to as much black metal as anyone and more than anyone should really oh absolutely um, yeah. <laughs> just the recommended daily dosage is just being completely quadrupled by you um i don't feel i don't feel that this is a traditional black metal album in terms of its songwriting and riff work where do you stand with that uh i think this is far more black metal than the new watane album would you like to explain that for people that don't know Absolutely. the new Watain album, yours so, truly included? The new Watain album, um, and I pick on that because they are a great modern example of a band that take the tropes of second wave, like the Norwegian black metal scene, mm. and just kind of stick with it. There's nothing wrong with that. They make some good, like pretty good songs, but you know what you're getting. There's a limitation um, there. There's a ceiling. There's absolutely there's a ceiling because they're staying within these confines of a genre that were laid down like near thirty years ago. Mm-hmm. 
Ishan and Matt Heafy see black metal the same way. And that is that black metal in the very first instance was transgressive. It was not... Because at the time it was essentially a response to death metal. Death metal was huge in the 90s. Everybody loved it. Death was like around at the time, you know. Morbid Angel. See? And not to knock those bands, because maybe maybe let's knock Morbid Angel another time, because... But... They've had yeah, some clangers. Cl- but alters a sacrifice, alters a madness, and then it's giant cliff and everything else. That's why yeah. I see it. But like, so because black metal is always meant to be transgressive, and that it's not meant to fit any kind of mold, for black metal to then fit a very clearly defined mold for the next twenty years is batshit insane. And what I really, what what Ishan and Matt Heafy clearly both see the same, and like this is something mm. that. I'm, you know, I've when I was reading up, and I think it might be in the notes, and it might be online, is that they both see it as this transgressive force, and therefore the most black metal thing you could do with black metal is not make a second wave like carbon copy record. That is why I think this is potentially more, more arguably, I would say, more black metal than a new Watain album because it takes what black metal is, or what what black metal is, and just goes, "Nah, fuck that. Let's do our own thing." Yeah, it's it's more in the principles of what metal is supposed to be in general, where it's it's less derivative and more progressive. I, I think and it's I more in the principles of what black metal was. Like black metal is, it's 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 again to get my you know to get on my own ass a bit. It's described as like having its own feeling and evoking this specific thing. Yeah, yeah. I think this does it better. I think this does it really fucking well in saying because it's got the trappings of the genre. It's got the blast mm-hmm. beats. It's got the tremolo picking. But that's not all it's got. In fact, no. most of the time it doesn't even have the black metal screams. It doesn't even have those raspy vocals. It has Matt Heafy. And while his vocals here are different than Trivium, for the most part, they ain't black metal screams. And I mean that as a compliment more than anything. Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, I think black metal, with the, the musicianship of black metal writers, has been crying out for a vocalist like Heafy to sort of take it into a different direction almost. And I'm gonna come. I'm gonna come to. I'm gonna come to Jack here because Jack, you mentioned that it's got enough here for you as a fan. And I wanna. It's it's a nice jumping off point to what Will's talking about because he's talking about a black metal album that actually, if it just stuck to its tropes, you'd probably be quite isolated and unidentified by this album. Whereas the stuff here that sort of bridges between what you like and what you not necessarily like in black metal classic tropes. I mean, there's no there's no bats squeaking from the top of towers and things like that, like I heard in the last Cradle of Filth record. Um, so. <laughs> What is it for you that draws the bridge between a Watain type album that Will mentions and what me and you loved in the new Trivium record? It's it's the diversity and the unexpected nature of it that kept you know that kept me kind of on my toes, I guess. You know, mm. there from from one track to the next, I didn't know what was coming. To me, you know, uh, or to a listener that isn't sort of tuned in listening wise to black metal. You don't necessarily hear all of the intricacies or, you know, all of those kind of, I wouldn't even be able to tell you all of the tropes of what black metal is, but I can hear that when it goes full kind of black metal tour de force, I'm like, yeah, that's black metal. And if you do it for more than 15 seconds, I'm kind of out. Like I want something to happen here. 
it's why I'm a metalcore fan because why haven't you put a breakdown at the end of that 15 seconds? That's 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 the kind of <laughs> that's the. Why well, has it said anyone's anyone said go yet? I say I mean I, I can relate to having a breakdown every 15 seconds, but you know yeah yeah like why why aren't we breaking <laughs> our surroundings? <laughs> Absolutely, just an average Tuesday for you and it will. You're not even listening to music. <laughs> Love before a breakdown. Of... Love a breakdown, mate. What are you listening to, Will? Nothing. Why? So before this, I had a fucking breakdown of what day it was. <laughs> We've all been That's there. That's actually true. We've all been there daily. Um, but, but, yeah, but, but yeah, sorry, Jack. Continue, please. It, it is. It, it, the, the, the easiest way to explain it is that it's Matt Heath, isn't it? You know what? What I love about a Trivium record is that it's got his vocals on it. And here he hasn't compromised. He's just kicked his shoes off and gone as creative as he possibly can. He hasn't held back. Perfect example of the probably the the song that caters to my tastes the most. And bear with me on the title of it is is it Jigoku Deo? Yes, it's well that done. it's this it's the song in there with that really slow winding intro that you know that amazing guitar work at the start of it that then builds to you know i mean but bear in mind every song on here is like seven minutes you put that on paper to someone like me and i'm like i have not got time for this and i'm it's so two nine up. minute songs on there as well that's yeah i know <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's so you couldn't this this couldn't be on paper further away from my comfort zone but it, it's songs like that in particular that just really held me because the first two three minutes of it is this amazing building guitar work his his soft vocals that then build to this kind of where where the inclusion of the rest of the instruments come in it was amazing so it, it's the moments like that and there's those kind of and i don't again i don't know whether this is a black metal trope or whether it's just something that kind of matt and ishan have, have kind of put together but those moments in the music where it just stops and kicks into something completely different and four minutes later will revert back to but there's not like a transition into like the new the new part of the song or anything like that it literally just stop starts you know it's those sorts of moments that you know if if i found myself kind of okay like i'm 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 hearing the same thing i didn't get those moments so much even though it was a seven or a nine minute song and i yeah, think that's there's... what held me I completely agree. There's a lot of intertextuality on this. There's so many layers to this. Now we're going to start getting into sort of um, individual tracks and things like that. Um, the, the opening of this album, when I first heard uh, Kagasuchi, I believe I'm pronouncing that okay, but if not, after um, Hakanaki Hitsuzen, uh, the second track, um, it, it opened, the opening riff, I was like, oh, okay, I see what we're doing here. This sounds a little bit like Trivium, but like on a slightly lower register. Like I see where this is going, just that very opening riff. Um, but then it, it started to kick into this sort of like just laser pace, classic pacey metal. Um, the vocals sort of immediately sort of really sort of take it away, as Will was talking about, that transgressive nature. It's a really nice way of defining it. Um, actually, I think Heafy's voice helps as a bridge for the listener a little bit because it's got that black metal thunderous drums and, and, and fast pace underneath. Um, and But then it... It, it fits in with this lot of slow pace uh, about three and a half minutes in. It's got this like it takes a turn. There's this like repeating melody in the opening track that I was getting this kind of like rivers of Nile, oceans of slumber type prog kind of vibe to it. It's it's just sort of shying away, um, and it is just it's just fantastic. And it gets into the second track. And I'll just talk about the opening two tracks, and then I'll I'll come to you. Will like the Ibaraki Doji song is just astonishing. 
they open the riffs with the the touch of strings and synths just beautiful this rhythmic change the, the riff at two minutes is just astonishing where it completely changes into this latin clave yeah uh, style stuff it's just amazing um at what point in this album will were you like okay this this feels this feels special because it was around that second track for me I yeah, I mean, because because I, I can't listen to the intro, and I was like, okay, you know, I'm 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 you know, I'm interested, I'm I'm vibing with it, you know, this is going this is going to go somewhere potentially. It was definitely Kagutsuchi and yeah, Ibaraki Doji that really sold it for me, and I was like, this is this is Matt Heafy is like Heafyist essentially. Um, yeah. It's 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 I like that you mentioned the Ibaraki Doji um, specifically because like. It's almost got this like this big emperor riff at the start. Surprise, yeah, surprise. Yeah, that's a great um, shout, yeah. But then it does this like fucking serpentine descent moment, like before it all kicks off, and it's just beautiful. And I was just like, what are you doing? This is so cool. Like, I, you know, it, the way he plays with riffs and expectations as well like yeah when he's like uh oh, you think this is going to be like an emperor style song <laughs> fuck no this is going to be way like way off piste this is going to be like i said before this is going to be matt heafy because because it was written in conjunction with ishan you know he's and he produced it as well you know there's there's so much of that friendship and that sort of like collaborative spirit throughout the album but yeah, yeah for when I thought it was special, definitely like track two. Once you threw the intro and you kind of going, this is cool, then you're into like the first big song. And you're like, no, this isn't just cool. This is this is great. I do there are part there are parts of this specifically in those first few cho- few few songs, and it goes from there's just beautiful introductions, but that at some point he will just just stop. Like four minutes in Ibaraki Doji, it's that acoustic moment, and it is just gorgeous. It's a it sounds like the title track from Shogun, and um, where it's it sort of stops and it just builds delightfully. The vocals take on this soothing quality, and to, to think that about three days before I heard him screaming his lungs out on Malevolence album, and he can do this, it, it's just astonishing. Bringing it back to this main refrain, um, it's just it's just amazing. Um, Jack, I want to come to you on some of these early songs, especially like. Uh, Jigoku Deu, and we sort of mentioned that a little bit earlier. Um, this is where I started to think about like Matt Heafy is like a genius, as, as far as I'm concerned. The, the staccato drums here, the the stabilizers come off about three minutes in. There's no sacrifice for heavy at all. This is like I'm th- I'm already writing. This is the best set up metal side project ever. Like I'm just like losing myself in hyperbolic riffs. Where did you sit in this early portion of the album, specifically those last couple of songs Was- we were talking about? It was on that song that I thought, you know, I was kind of at a point where I was like, I appreciate and I can understand how good this is. And then I got to Jigoku Deo and I was like, yeah, no, this is this is also for me, you know, it, 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 and, it, and it's got like catering towards my taste as well. Parts of this have that kind of film score quality to them. Yes. There's, yeah. There's, the atmosphere there's... on the guitar solo in particular, which fucking hell, by the, the... way. Oh. The fucking soundscapes on this you know like it, it just when you think it's kind of already at full throttle there's just something else that goes in the mix or a new section comes into it and it's it, it's got that epic quality to it and it, and and that song kind of bought the elements of those first few songs that i liked but were maybe a little bit more fleeting for me and kind of pulled them together in a more structured way that i was just like yeah okay this fucking slaps and this is this is this is for me this is yeah, I completely agree. 
So this is this is where we're getting to. This is before what I was going to consider to be the highlights of the record. When you look at it and you think, all right, Gerard Way's on this. Um, okay, Nargal from Bearmoth's on this. Okay, um, I'm, I'm I'm expecting these to be the sort of standout tracks, and it's just amazing before it even gets that. Um, I want to I want to point out that I think Comarabi is beautiful. But in the interest of talking about what I think is really, really important, Will, I want to talk to you a little bit about Ronin. Because one, it's nine minutes and 13 seconds long. Two, it has Gerard Way in. And I don't know about you, you go into that track thinking, okay, maybe Gerard Way is singing the melodic bits. And maybe he's joining in here and there. Maybe he writes a bit, of, you know, plays a bit of piano or strums a guitar here and there, adds to sort of the acoustic thing. Um, Will, do you want to talk about what actually happens, please? So the reason that I like this song partly because it's nine minutes long and one of my favourite albums this year is Cult of Luna, which doesn't ever really dip below nine minutes per song. I think it's still going, isn't it? It's still playing. <laughs> Not at the moment. <laughs> Might go on again later. No, it's... Um, what I love about this song is that when I saw featuring Gerard Way, my brain just went, so this is the guy that sang like welcome to the black parade and was mad about his dad taking him to see a you know marching band in the city center um uh, i'm not okay i promise and i'm like how is this gonna work on this album because i hadn't even heard the album when i saw that jared way was on it me too me too and then ronin comes in and you've got this like you've got heafy doing the melodic bits and i'm like all right so i'm expecting maybe a duet or i'm expecting heafy to do some screams what actually happens is Gerard Way turns in the most black metal performance on the whole fucking album and goes full banshee screeching for like his parts are only banshee screams that's it but they're so good I hope that's a credit on the record Gerard Way banshee screams Jack I had to double take I had to check that this was Gerard Way's song so did I heard it I was like, there's no way that was his role. There's no way that's what he was brought in to ask to do. What did you think of this? I was just sat with it on my... I got I got a, <clears throat> a speaker that I had it on, and I was just sat here like, no, nah. <laughs> surely, surely not. And I will say, I mean, we just we, we skipped over Akumu, which was the song prior, but not necessarily being um, a Nurgle fan. I mean, that was some demonic fucking shit on that song. Because I do think that's worth pointing out. As, having not heard <laughs> Nurgle do black metal, yeah. I was he's, like, what? He's, he's what I am. He's what I imagine the sound inside your head when you trip out on really bad drugs. That's what I. That's what I imagine a bad trip sounds like. And it's just him being like, "You realize you have thirty minutes to live." Like he sounds like Bane. It's extraordinary. Um, but the fact that we're talking about Gerard Way here is a testament. Not just to the fact that I get to say Gerard Way's name out there and we can put it on social media or something like that. It's the it's the the fact is you go into with certain expectations that, that and that they're just completely shattered. And I think that's a nice metaphor for the, for this album in general, like sort of shattered expectations. Um, and we've got the final the final section here. Um, the now again, forgive me if I'm butchering Japanese. Susanu no Mikoto. Is that relatively oh, smashed it? <laughs> Not is that is that okay? And and that's the song with Isan. And Will you talked a little bit about their involvement and you can hear his fingerprints all over the record. Um it's a two-part question here essentially. Why do you think this particular song had Isan as a feature? And how do you write his involvement in a much more direct sense in this track? So this track, this track to me, um 
because it because obviously his I think he's named as featuring on it um, because he obviously you know he does vocals on here. Whereas if you've um, if you so I was actually looking over the lyric sheet we got sent, and it actually notes on each one who contributes what. So you can see like uh, Corey from Trivium does the guitar solo on um, on a couple of tracks. Um, interestingly. Alex Bent is name dropped in the press notes. He's never credited on the lyrics, and I think that's because he drums over the whole thing. I Does think a terrific he... job, by the way. It's oh, a remarkable drummer. I one thing that I will say is that Trivium have one very particular style, right? Mm. Ibaraki is something very different, and Alex Bent fucking nails it. Like I yeah. firmly believe that he's one of like the unsung heroes. He's starting to get a lot more recognition, which is great. But on here especially, where the name was so much, like with a band with so much pedigree, like Ishan, Matt Heafy, Alex Bent almost goes under like under the radar, but he's still phenomenal. And I feel like outside of this song, that's, if this record weren't so obviously heavily influenced by, I feel like Ishan could almost go the same way. This This one song is great. You know, I love his like his vocal feature on it. I really like hearing him doing his black metal screams because actually he doesn't do them so much at the moment on his own solo stuff, um, other than the Telemark EP from last year or the year before, which was much more of a return to his black metal roots. But Ishan tends to go into a lot more clean singing a lot of the time. Yeah. So to hear him again on here was like was super cool. Um, and another, funnily enough, to sidetrack from the question again, another thing I found really interesting, we talked about Gerard Way's involvement on the album before we talked about Nervals. Yeah, and it and actually like, it features one of my favourite moments of the track as well, when, when he does his vocal and it kicks into that fucking sludge section with the triplet breakdown. Oh, give me that forever. What's really interesting about that particular song is it sounds like... Uh, like Matt Heafy and Behemoth made a song together. That's essentially what it sounds like, and it shows like how much creative like force Nurgle clearly has in Behemoth. But I believe on this one, Nurgle's lyrics are in Polish. Like Matt yeah, Heafy basically right, yeah. handed in the lyrics and went, "Now you can translate these." So he's singing about Japanese mythology in Polish, which is I think is really cool. Um, but to address your point, like, what do I think of Ishan's kind of more direct involvement on the album? I think it. It almost because because Matt Heafy has this history of like loving black metal, but if you you know if you go back and you read like old interviews with him, if you look at things that you know, I don't know if he said recently, but if you look at like these older interviews he's done, he's often cited Emperor as like a band that heavily influenced him like growing up and his taste, and obviously Ishan is from Emperor, like he is perhaps the most he's the best known for the least nefarious reasons um i'll say um <laughs> that's that's the thing we won't get into um but he's the best known for doing the least dodgy shit like he actually he's, he's known for making good music outside of uh, the very good emperor so you can trust him with a pack of matches is what you're saying well you can trust him with a pack of matches. At, no, never mind. Um, this this is going to take. A, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going. I'm not going to reference it. Um, no, this is, That's yeah, okay. you can trust. That's you okay. can trust him with a pack of matches. Yeah. Um, but you can also trust him with your black metal album. Um, 
because the two became friends over initially i think over hefe's um enjoyment of what ishan does and um it, it's noted that the two had a conversation in which um he said to ishan i wish i could write a black metal album um I, or something like i i wish i was scandinavian so i could write a black metal album like this and ishan basically turned around to him and went write about japanese mythology what the fuck <laughs> And and that was the point. I th- and as I understand it, this seems to be the point at which something clicked for him, mm-hmm. for Matt Heafy, and he went, "Yes, actually, I, I'll I'll you know th- this is what I am gonna you know I am gonna like embrace because he he tells this all these stories because he's got all the you know he's got so many like tattoos himself that yeah, reference yeah. various myths and folklore of of, J- of Japan. He's he's translating that into music this time. Um. So on a very, very, very basic level, um, I think Ishan's involvement in this is almost like he's at the he's not quite at the core of it, but he's such a key part of it. Um, so I, I rate it very highly. I don't think this I think this album might have existed, but I don't think it would be existing in the form that it does, and it might not be as good as it is without the Without like the input, without the friendship and like the, the 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 drive that he helped give Matt Heafy to make this album. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's there's certainly every indication that these these riffs might have sat on a shelf somewhere just for the remainder of his career. I like the idea that um, the conversation with Ishan has essentially handed Heafy the keys to this like just expensive black Lamborghini that he's just able to just now drive. It's 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 really really fantastic that he's been given that sense of empowerment. Um, so. I want to talk about like we're sort of coming to the coming to the end of the, the podcast a little bit. Um, we've been, believe it or not, we've been talking about Ibaraki for thirty five minutes. So I want to I want to talk about this, and and obviously like this is half baked research. It took me about twenty minutes to sort of put this together. Um, so um, will especially if I've missed any bands on this, and just talking modern metal. If there's something you think I'm missing out on, just talk to me, shout at me, tell me I'm an idiot, whatever, and no holds barred, etc. So. I'm going to make the case that Matt Heafy is the face of modern metal. Okay. So I'm going to say modern metal from at the very least 21st century onwards, but specifically focusing pretty much on 2010, sort of like the birth of modern metal core, the Parkway Drive, Deep Blue, and everything afterwards is sort of the modern metal. Just the line in the sand. I think you need to pull it a couple of years earlier. Um, Okay. That works in my argument, to be fair. Let's have a look. Do you know the like new wave of American heavy metal, sort of two thousand and five ish onwards, that type of area? I'm looking. No, I'm just trying to let's see. Okay, so I think we need to pull it back to around between September twenty third and October first, two thousand eight, according to Wikipedia. Wow, to the day, to the, to the day. day. Any, any, because any particular reason? This was when Shogun was released. Okay. Okay. Perfect. I think. Shogun, because let's let's be let like ascendancy changed my life, got me into metal. Properly. Shogun is I mean it's fucking Shogun man. Like it's it's one of the I honestly think if we if we're looking at bands like from that neck of the like neck of the woods from that kind of time, this is one of the best modern like metal slash metal core slash bits of prog. Yes. Completely agreed. Of that time. 
C- completely agreed. All right, so we're actually in agreement here. So even if I actually expanded on that just to give like a little bit of leeway, just to even open a little bit more to the counter argument that he... All right, okay. So if we look at here, right, okay. Trivium have produced 10 studio albums. I think they've got three certified A, if we're grading albums, A to A plus albums, and Ascendancy, Shogun, and Court of the Dragon. They have two more B plus to A minus albums in, in Waves and What the Dead Men Say, three C grade albums in Sin of the Sentence, Vengeance Falls, and Science of Snow, and one D plus, depending on how you feel about it. You can We can have the arguments at a bar forever. If you want to give it a C minus, I'm absolutely okay with it, but it can't be higher than that. Sin of the Sentence is too low. Okay. Well, that actually. If, all right, okay, if I say that, all right, it's it's in the bottom of the next category as like a B plus yeah. within Waves and Dead Men, is that is that something you feel more comfortable with? I, I would say, so obviously we have um, the, the the debut, um, which... Yeah, Ember to Inferno. Ember to Inferno, yeah. thank you. His name was escaping me, I knew it was to do with fire. I was like, through the fire and flames? That's fucking Dragon Force, that's, that's the wrong <laughs> one. Um, we've got Ember to Inferno, which was very much like we're setting... We're setting the groundwork. There might be something here. Oh, it had an early absolutely. version of dying in your arms. Cool. Ascendancy, like, blew the gates wide open. Mm-hmm. I would say that is close to their peak in terms of like impact on me as well. Shogun is around their peak, but I would honestly say that three album run because it was sin of the sentence. What yep. the dead men say in the yep. court of the dragon. I yep. think those three. So I would honestly argue Trivium have like four A minus to A plus, if to use your uh, nomenclature at like records. Yeah. And it's those four. In Waves, fantastic album. Shows that they could do Shogun and the really stripped back, really like really punchy. So over their career, they've shown they can basically do it all. Perfect. Right. So using that as a basis, whether it's four or five, whether it's whether it's in ways, whether it's in the sentence, we were roughly in the same way. It's four A-grade albums and above, right? And I was thinking to myself, how many really big modern albums? Now, I'm not going to... If you turn around to me and say, all oh, this, you know, you know, 17th century-based black metal band have got four A-plus albums, I might have to just accept your viewpoint. However, if we just go big metal bands that have, like, sort of been the faces of the genre or at least near the face of the genre for a long time, you're looking at Mastodon, Gejira, Lamb of God, Parkway, Architects, Machine Ed, and Opeth, right? Mastodon, arguably, don't fight me anybody. Probably Leviathan, Crack the Sky, and Hush the Grim, three A plus albums. Master Sirius, L'Enfant Sauvage, and Magma for Gajira. Lamb of God have um, Ashes of the Wake, and then you can uh, you can pick two of Sacrament Wrath as a party's burn. Don't mind. Parkway have Sacrament, two. Sacrament, man. Uh, yeah, perfect. <laughs> Sacrament killer. It is amazing. It is amazing. But I mean, I'm saying like, if you tell me it was yeah. Wrath because you really love whatever, you love Grace, cool. Or if you tell me it's as a place it's burned because you love Ruin, fine. Parkway F2, Atlas and Deep Blue, and then there's, a, there's, there's drop-offs either side of that. Architects of Holy Hell, all our gods of abandoners, it depends how much you love Lost Together, Lost Forever. Machine Head have one, the blackening, because Burn My Eyes comes out in 94. It's way too early. And then Opeth only have Blackwater Park from after 2000 that is considered a bona fide classic. Still Life in My Arms, Your Hearse is 1999-1998. That's way too early to consider the modern metal classic. So, do Trivium have the best resume of any big modern metal band? I'm going to come to Jack first and then we'll afterwards. Jack, have I made the case? Like, surely. I can't argue it. There's there's not consistency there like there is with Trivium. It, that, you know, that's the bottom line, isn't it? Consistency-wise, you know, you, you, you go back and you look through and the way that you... 
to be to again it comes back to their prolific nature as well they're Mm -hmm. arguably more prolific than a lot of these bands a lot of these bands will take time between records yet still they deliver quality yeah this is 10 albums in 18 years for Trivium since 2004, which is just astonishing. And I haven't mentioned Avenged Sevenfold, by the way. I didn't forget them. I just thought we could talk about your opinions on City of Evil or Wake in the Fallen, but really it's one or two that didn't really make the cut necessarily. So, Will, unless there's a... You forgot about this this obscure band, maybe, if you want to make an argument about Kill Switch or something like that. Where, where are we at with this? <laughs> where are we at with this? Where are we at with this argument that I'm trying to make here that Trivium are probably they've got the best resume since 2000 so, modern metal band? I think... I think Killswitch are, are in with a shout because they've produced some of the most influential. I think that's undeniable. They produced some of the most influential metalcore. They helped yeah, like no pioneer doubt. this new this new shape of metalcore where it was like um, where we moved away from Poison the Well and Converge and more yes. into like At the Gates in Flames like Mellow Death influenced metalcore. Agreed. Well said. But I will also say that they are metalcore, and I'm not not like that's not to drag the genre because I I love me some metalcore. It turns out, um, especially like Poison the Well and Converge. Um, <laughs> but Trivium, they they may have started life as a metalcore band. They're not anymore. I I don't think you can reasonably argue that they are a metalcore band anymore. No, I would. Go- I, I think completely agree with that. You've got. You know, the Crusade was, you know, it it was bold, it was experimental, it tried new things, and I respect them for that, even if it didn't necessarily fly for them the way Ascendancy and Shogun did. But if you look at the albums that they've produced, if we ignore Vengeance Falls, the fucking clangor, the disturbed light that it is, um, outside of that, um, they have produced, I would agree, one of the best catalogues in in that sort of space of time in terms of modern, like modern mainstream metal of the big names, they're up there. And it's the only reason I would say that they aren't a fucking arena sized band is because they've had a couple of duff years where people, because it's weird for Trivium. At at really key times. Yeah, at really really key key times. Because Trivium, they build this huge height, and then something happens like Vengeance Falls, and it fucking plummets, and everyone, and that's it. That's it for them for a few years, and they have to build it again. So where are they playing on their next tour? Brixton Academy, I want to say. Yeah, I think so. I think and so. That's, that type of arena. Yeah. It's like a two, three thousand cap venue. It's not small. Like yeah. you know, it's not the Black Heart that fits one hundred fifty people in. I'd probably kill to see Trivium in a venue like that. You know. Keep the matches away you'd from be, me. You'd get killed at a venue yeah. saying trivial yeah, like that, let's be honest. But And I also want to ask this, though. Are we saying this because of Matt Heafy's visibility in the scene? I because I, I won't I argue that they are a great band, but I will ask, he's so visible... And we've talked about Trivium a lot in this, and I think there's a very good reason for that. It's because obviously, that A, that's what he's best known for, but B, it's because they are very, very visible. They, Even if they're producing an album you don't necessarily agree with, you're thinking about them. Yeah, I would, I would, I would agree with that. And I would, uh, that's what I'm trying to say about the whole Trivium thing. And it's actually it's more to contextualise Ibaraki 
that that we're talking about one of the guys who has arguably one of the best. Well, we don't. We've just agreed, so therefore there's no argument from anyone. Not even on Twitter. Not even now. Not forever. And now that we've all agreed that, turn um, replies off you twice. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Now everyone agrees with us because two people have agreed with me. Um, I can now, if you add Ibaraki to this, as what we have already discussed. Again, no one can argue the best metal solo project of really of the last ten to fifteen years at the very least. When you add that in. Adding his visibility, adding his role for the industry that we've talked about earlier, where's the counter argument here? Like, who else? Do you know what I mean? And it, 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 you talk about the visibility world, that you're absolutely right. But he, but if he works on that, he, he makes himself visible. He's not like, it's not like when you used to um, read certain publications in the late sort of 2010s and you could feel that they were chucking Black Veil Brides down my throat to the point that I thought if I coughed, glitter would come out. Um, they're, they're not doing that. They're, they're, he's making himself visible. They're producing regular albums. He does regular interviews. He does solo projects. The solo project is great. His resume is fantastic. I mean, there's also, I was looking at this. Um, obviously, we're, we're all part of the metal Twitter sphere, like how, you know, vulnerable people people in, 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 in fame can be and how quickly things can turn. He's also controversy free. Which is, <laughs> which is walking on fucking eggshells at the moment. Like there's, there's like remember maybe five people in the world that are like controversy free, and Matt Heafy appears to be one of them. And that that I think that stands in good stead as well. He seems like a genuinely good person. I don't know, man. Like I'm, I'm kind of listening to this record on top of his previous resume and just putting it all together and thinking, is this? Are we going to look back in like ten to 15, 20 years the way that we sort of look back on Aussie in the early eighties and think about like obviously taken outside the, the rock celebrity that happened in the early 80s and things like that. But are we going to look back and think of Heafy in the same way as some of these sort of greats of the genre, the way that we now talk about Rob Halford, the way that we now talk about Dio when he was when he was alive? Is he, is he on that level? Will, am I getting too, too I think far this is a really world? interesting, bold call because... The thing, the thing that happens when you invoke the, the, the when you say the, the name Rob Halford is that mm-hmm. like you get this image of a guy who had so much influence that he convinced a homophobic metal community that dressing up in leather and spikes was cool. Like yeah. this is a guy Absolutely. who who this is this is a, this is an, a gay man who made a bunch of homophobes dress in a in a way that would be appealing to a certain part of the gay community like you, you know you, you cannot make that up that's that's power oh gotcha yeah and then you've got Ozzy who helped found like who was in a band that helped found metal as we know it so when you invoke those names it's an interesting one it's a really bold call because of course they've done all of that I mean that's the nature you can't of really history, do it again right. you can't yeah. do it again but I think you may, and, and again, the controversy free is, is is a great point. He just seems like this guy that that looks. No, you know, it's not like he looks after his own image and makes sure that no one finds out this stuff. It's just that he doesn't do it, you know. Um, and he just seems down. He seems fairly down to earth. He seems really wholesome. Um, it's interesting you say he does a lot of interviews. He doesn't do loads. He does like he he picks. He makes sure he does the ones that will have the most impact, which is quite an interesting way. You know, it's, it's a good way of doing it. It makes sure that he's got this this presence and the amount of work that he puts in. So I, I think it's 
I think it's too early to call it now. But if he keeps making all the right moves, turns out more projects, like or turns out, you know, if Ibaraki is one and done, I'd argue no. But if he continues working on Ibaraki, if Trivium keep going, for instance, or, you know, alongside, and maybe he has a few other ventures besides that, maybe non-music related, like a kid's book, for instance, that he's actually doing, um, which I absolutely think is amazing. He's doing a kid's book of Japanese mythology. That's I, cool. I do think, if if not if not Aussie, Dave Grohl, if that makes sense. No, no, I think that's fair. I think there's there's maybe a pantheon right at the top that is just unassailable. And then there's like, you know, the regular people. This is as far as you can get without literally inventing a genre. Um, and I think that's a fair call. Jack, um, you're going to jump in there. So um, what's your take on this? Yeah, I think, I think the main thing is just that you can't compare it, right? Because you're absolutely right. They, they, they're legends already made and you can't take someone that we're talking about that could potentially be in that same arena and, and, and already put them there. But at the same time, I think Dave Grohl is, is an amazing shout because you can't help but feed off his passion, off his openness, off his honesty. You feel like when you're, you know, he gives a lot of himself, doesn't he? And you talk about him being picky about, you know, the interviews, but that he's just so... He, he chooses what he does. He feels in control. The things that he's shoving down your throat are the things that he's passionate about, that he loves. So when he's putting a band out, I'm, I'm as a fan, I'm checking them out straight away. You know, when, when, he, when he puts an album like this out, I'm checking it out and there's something in it for me, even though it's so far out of left field in terms of my tastes. And I'm finding something I like in it. And it's not even the main thing that he does, you know, and I think when we look back, because hindsight is always such a big thing, when you look back on his work through through Twitch, what he's done in terms of his live shows and streaming, the inclusion of bringing in artists into his Twitch streams, the collaborations with like Mike Shinoda, for example, who's another one at kind of the forefront of doing this, you know, he's he's got his finger so hot on the pulse. And you look at someone like Elton John, for example, and what he does for music, He's like the metal version. Elton John's bringing everyone into his kitchen table and he's sitting them down and he's like, yo, Ed, you're going to be the next big thing. Oh, what's up, George Ezra? I got you. Let's push that. I don't, know what's, I don't know what's my favorite thing is that Elton John is the godfather of pop music, kissing the ring and sorting things out. Or Matt Heafy is the Elton John of metal. I'm not too sure which is my favorite image. I like, I like that Matt Heafy would be sat at a table wearing Elton's glasses that's that's my favorite <laughs> yeah that's that's the thing that gets passed down from generation to generation elton john just passes them off on his deathbed now my son but it's a perfect example isn't it because you know an artist like that and an artist like matt heafy doesn't necessarily need to but they do which there's just so much more buy-in there you know there's because it's it's not like he's trying to put like put something down your throat that is just him doing it because he's getting paid to do it or because it feels like the thing to do. You know he believes in it. So there's so much more buy-in for that. I think he's a pioneer. I think we'll look back on him as such. I think that's um I think that's a fair case. I think it's about time as well. We start to to wrap this up. Um, before I get to that conclusion, I'll come to you, come to you both because a lot of exciting things to come up. 
Uh, Will, before we go, have you got anything to plug? What's coming out in uh, Will Marshall's world over the next few days and weeks? Ooh, what's coming out in my world? Um, I'm actually right, uh, this this week is actually relatively quiet for me. Just this a, week. just the twelve features, is it? Um, about that. Uh, <laughs> see, I've, yeah, I've done my I've done those interviews, and it's uh, it's it's writing time. I've got a couple of got a couple of irons in the fire for pitches. Um, we'll see what happens. Look forward to seeing it, man. You're always yeah. a cons- consummate professional. Uh, Jack, you recently did an, uh, an interview. Do you want to talk to us about that? I did, but that's already out at this point. And I'm thinking about yeah, when plug this it, man. Is... Talk about it. What else can they hear if they want to hear more of Mr. Holloway? <sighs> that's going to be out before this, right? By this point, yeah. we're by the point we're released, we've done Power Festival. Um, so Power Festival was great. We had a fantastic time. Um, <laughs> and expect lots of post coverage on that. But Sam, we're fucking busy, man, aren't we? We were yes, looking at our schedule the are. other day and I don't want to disclose all of it, but we've got some really exciting shit coming up for the next two months. Yeah, right? absolutely. Got um, got talking to Cage Fight in a couple of days. Um, believe we'll have a great time with that. We'll have a great time. Cage Fighter, I'm, Cage Fighter, good I'm, eggs. I'm very much looking forward to it. I like the album as well, which helps. The album's class. Um, I, um, you know, you know the venue at Blondie's that K Karangas all their K pit at the fifth. Yeah, or yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm familiar. Yeah. Cage Fighter playing a free release show there, at the end of the month. Oh, there's going to be teeth carnage. everywhere. I know, and some of them are <laughs> going to be mine. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to bring you back on the podcast, and you just got one in the middle, just for <laughs> opening cans like a beleaguered sailor in the Civil War or something. Um, it's going to be tremendous. So yeah, and then obviously uh, me and Jack are going to be sitting down on Friday to discuss a certain hardcore record that shall remain nameless for now and obviously we're doing power festival over that weekend and then heading on through the summer to download and all the rest of it so lots and lots of stuff here on the noise podcast i want to thank both gentlemen for joining me to talk about ibaraki listening to my um half-back rants about matt heafy and metal in general um there's about 15 black metal albums that we'll reference and they have to frantically google to pretend that i'm clever at the future black metal parties that i'm going to go to um yeah yeah black crazy right we all got the same memo um uh, so i just want to say thank you both to that and thank you to everyone who made it this far uh, without thinking we were both um and all of us were just chatting shit which we were but thanks for getting to the end of it anyway so i want to say thank you to everybody um and that's it i oh, will see you again soon